So a couple of years ago, I uh, was at Lowe's in the home and garden section, and I was looking to buy some Leland Evergreen trees. You guys know what that is? I got a picture for you in case you don't. All right, th- these are these are Leland uh, Evergreen trees, and uh, man, they're just beautiful trees. Um, they uh, th- these trees are the most popular type of tree for a privacy fence type of tree, right? They grow fast. Uh, The mature height is anywhere from 40 to 60 feet in height. They grow up to three to five feet per year. Uh, They're beautiful. I mean, they they have the feathery texture uh, and they're drought tolerant, which is why it's so popular. Um, And as we were uh, talking, um, you know, I I was at Lowe's and and I was talking to the lady and she was uh, showing me the tree. She was telling me all about these things. And on the tag, on the tag of the tree, it said, Leland Evergreen Tree. So this is, this is what I thought I was buying right here, okay? And so she's talking it up and, and, and telling me all about these things, and I am uh, getting super, super excited. And, um, and so I take these t- trees home, and I plant them in my backyard, and uh, two years ago I planted them, and you know I just would, couldn't wait to watch them grow and grow and grow, and uh, two years later this is what, what I have. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I was, I, was, I was heartbroken, right? I'm like, what, what's going on here? Like, why aren't my, why aren't my trees growing, okay? And so my neighbor uh, behind, beside me, she has this guy that comes over and does yard work. And so I thought, man, I'm going to ask him. And so I kid you not, about a month and a half ago, he was over there doing some yard work. And I just asked him, I said, man, I said, can you tell me why my trees aren't growing? What am I doing? Why my tree? These, these are Leland evergreen trees. Like, these things are supposed to just flourish and grow. And he came over, took one look at him, and without hesitation said, oh, you got dwarf. You got dwarf evergreen trees. I said, what? I said, how can you tell? He said, I could tell by the, I said, the lady at the store, this is on the tag. And I was just like, man, you know, I was like, this is, this is crazy. And so I was, I was, I was heartbroken. I was stunned. And, and that's the purpose of this, this new sermon series that we are starting today called Grow, Right? Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about this idea of grow as it relates to our relationship with Jesus, as it relates to our, our Christian faith. Because what's interesting is that whenever you read through the Bible, and the Bible talks about uh, or refers to a, a new Christian, someone who has come uh, to faith in Jesus Christ, someone who has made the decision to follow Jesus, they are referred to as a babe in Christ, a baby or an infant in Christ. And so this idea that we grow from being infants in Christ to fully functioning adults in Christ, right? Uh, that, that's why our purpose here at Chester Christian Church is not just to reach people with the gospel, because we don't want just converts, right? We don't want just, just people who give their life to Jesus and that's it, but we want people to grow in their relationship. We want people to be discipled and equipped and we want to help them move in their spiritual infancy to mature, maturity in Christ Jesus. And so this, this process that the Bible talks about is called sanctification. And that sanctification is a lifelong process of growing in our love and affection for Jesus, becoming more like Him. And so today, as we kick things off, what I wanted to do is kind of introduce this to you and, and share with you some of the challenges to spiritual growth, Right? Like, for instance, how come some people uh, can grow spiritually and other people don't seem to grow spiritually? 
Have you ever wondered why you, you got two people that grow up in the same house and one of them, uh, they, have, they have the same teaching, they go to the church together, and, and, but, but one goes on to grow in their faith and love for Jesus and the other one just kind of seems uh, to walk away? It's a mysterious why some believers grow in their faith and others don't. But there's a human side of the equation. And I can tell you that there are a variety of obstacles that hinder our spiritual growth. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And lucky for us, Jesus addresses these obstacles for us. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and open up to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is the very first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 13. It's where we're going to be, lucky number 13, Matthew 13. And we're going to be looking at a parable that Jesus shares with a crowd of people. And a parable is simply a story uh, that has a, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning and so Jesus tells lots of parables. He tells lots of stories throughout the gospel. And this particular parable that he tells right here that we're going to look is told in three of the four gospels. And so you have four gospels. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so this parable is told in three of the four, which means this is a pretty important story, right? And so Jesus tells this, and this is what he says, starting in verse 1. He says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. So there's lots of people there. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. He told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so I want you to imagine for a second uh, that you have this, this farmer, and he has this satchel along his shoulder, and he's just kind of going out, reaching to his satchel, and he's just throwing, casting seed out. Right, he's got this farm, he's throwing seed. Now in the parables, uh, there's always uh, meaning with each character or each thing. And so in this parable, the seed represents the, anybody know? What's the seed represent? The gospel. Yeah, the seed represents the gospel. And just as a reminder, the gospel is the good news that God has lovingly provided a cure for our sin through the gift of his son Jesus to the world that Jesus suffered and died on the cross for our sin, that he overcame death, and now by grace, through faith, we can have a relationship with God. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And then you have four types of soil that Jesus describes here, and that soil represents us. It represents people. It represents our hearts, right? Now, I'm not a numbers guy, but according to this parable, if you look at it, one in four, one in four soils, 25%, are receptive to the gospel. 25% allow the gospel to take root in their heart and grow. Now, Jesus is going to explain the parable down in verse 18. So look down in verse 18 with me, and let's, let's, let's flesh this out. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, 
the evil one, Satan, comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is what's sown along the path. So you've got this field, right? And, and, and you know that if you farm, if you grew up in, in an area where they had farmland, you have to till the soil, you have to get it all uh, broken up uh, because the soil can get hard, and so they can cast the seed out there and the seed will take root. Well, you've got paths, and these paths are paths that people have walked on. And when the people walk on those paths, it kind of compacts the dirt and it gets hard. And so you've got a farmer that's casting seed. Some of it goes in the field, but some of it goes on that hard path. It hits that path and like bounces off like concrete. And so that's what Jesus is saying here. Some of the seed fell on that hard path. And because it didn't have, because the soil was hard, it didn't take root. It didn't sink down in there. And then the birds came and snatched it away and took it away. And so one reason, Jesus says, some people don't grow spiritually or aren't receptive to the gospel is because their hearts are hard like that dirt path. Now, a lot of you probably know somebody who has a hard heart, right? They don't want to hear about anything related to the church. They mock God, they mock Christians, and they're not receptive to the gospel at all. Zechariah in the Old Testament, chapter 7, verse 11 says, but they refused to pay attention, and they turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his Spirit. Now here's what's interesting. The Bible talks about the heart being the center of our will and emotions. Right? It's, it's, it's kind of like the hub of our human personality. And the way the Bible describes this is anything that you act upon, anything that, that comes out of your mouth, it comes out because it was already in your heart. So Jesus would say it like this. He said, whatever comes out of your mouth flows from your heart. So if you ever said something, and once you said it, you kind of thought to yourself, wow, I can't believe that came out of my mouth. Anybody ever done that before? I, I can't believe I said that. You know why you said that? Because your hearts are dirty. Because <laughs> it was already in your heart, right? That, that's the point here, right? So any negative talk, any demeaning conversation, right? Any gossip, whatever it is, listen, it was already in your heart. So if a person has a hard heart, it dulls their ability to perceive and understand. The Bible would refer to them as spiritually blind or deaf. That's why Jesus says, he who has ears to hear let him hear, because they would be spiritually, spiritually uh, deaf or blind. That's why change and transformation happen from the inside out. Jesus isn't just about behavior modification, right? It's about the heart. And so what makes a person hard-hearted? Well, it can be a number of things, right? But one, one of the things could be a person's upbringing, right? We were talking about this just last week, uh, some of the kids that we deal with and some of their home situations. Sometimes kids come from a home situation where parents just have no regard for Christianity whatsoever. They, they criticize the church. They mock God. Uh, their, their morality is just, you know, somewhere out in left field. And so the kids are just preconditioned to just kind of grow up and their hearts be hardened towards the gospel. Another thing, and this is huge even within the church, is repetitive, unrepentant sin. Now, and this is huge because, listen, if there is a habitual sin pattern in your life, 
and there's no remorse, there's no, there's no repentance, there's no guilt there uh, for that sin. Now, we're not, 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 not talking about sin that we struggle with, you know, they got that one sin that you just kind of struggle with, and you're just trying to overcome that sin, and you struggle with that, and you have guilt, and, and you repent. Now, I'm talking about somebody that, just, that has an unrepentant heart. Somebody that just says, you know what, they, they, they've lost that guilt, they just, they're just continuing in their sin. And what happens is, is that that sin just desensitizes your heart from the gospel. See, that guilt that you have when you sin is, is God's grace bringing you back, right? That's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you need to come back. And so when you lose that, you become desensitized, and eventually it makes it difficult to determine the difference between right and wrong, right? Repetitive, unrepentant sin numbs the conscience. The Bible would say it sears the conscience, and eventually the Bible says that uh, God will just kind of give you over to that sin. Read Romans chapter 1. It's all through there. Um, and our hearts become hard. Another one is pride and arrogance. Man, this is a huge, huge one because people are so proud they don't want to admit their need for a Savior. Right? People who are arrogant and prideful, they know what's best. You become proud of your status, your self-sufficiency, uh, intellect, or your income. Right, whatever it is, it, it makes it difficult to be receptive to the gospel. Because, listen, the gospel is going to shoot us straight. It's going to tell us that we have dirty hearts. It's going to tell us that we need a Savior. And if you are pride and arrogant, you don't want to hear that you need a Savior. Right? Proverbs fourteen twelve says that there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Another, another one that can cause a hard heart, and this is very unfortunate, is hypocrisy in the church. I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard people say, well, there's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites over. You know, that's what Christians are. Right? You've heard that before. And the sad thing is, is a lot of that's, a lot of that's true. You've got a lot of Christians who claim to, to be followers of Jesus, and they cheat people out of money in their business deals, or they cheat on their spouse, or they have affairs. You name it, Right? And the reality of it is, man, is, is, is the sad thing is, is these people are looking at other broken, fallen people as a measuring stick. And, and, and the sad thing is, is people will always disappoint you. If you are looking to other people, they're going to disappoint you. If you are looking to, you know, anybody, a leader, whatever, they're eventually going to this, now, they might not do something, you know, like cheat on their wife or, or whatever, but, but they're going to disappoint you, right? That's why we always tell people to focus on Jesus, right? Jesus is not going to disappoint you. He's the one we're here for. And so there are lots of reasons why people's hearts get hardened towards the gospel, but the good news is Jesus loves people with hard hearts, doesn't he? Right? Jesus died on the cross for people with hard hearts. The Bible says that God is patient, Right? Not wanting anyone to perish. And so with prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit, people's hearts can change. That hard soil can be tilled up and it can change. Two examples, man. My dad, my dad grew up. He was hard-hearted towards Christianity. I would go to him and I'd tell him that he needs Jesus. And he's like, I don't need any of that stuff. And he's like, I don't want to go to church. I don't need any of that stuff. My dad was proudful and he was arrogant. He thought he was Superman. And then my dad had a stroke at the age of 68, and it humbled him. And that hard heart became soft, and he became receptive to the gospel, and he changed. And I was able to baptize my dad just a couple years before he passed away. 
Another example that, uh, of, of somebody who had a hard heart is I grew up um, with uh, a, a guy who I knew pretty much all my life. His name was Jeff, and uh, Jeff was hard-hearted towards Christianity. He didn't want to have anything to do with the church. He mocked Christians. He, mocked, you know, he just didn't want to have anything to do with it. He, was, he fell in that, that, that category of uh, hypocrisy. He thought Christians were hypocrites. And so he didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I'll never forget, man, as, as I'm growing up and getting older, um, I, forget what day, I forget how old I was, but my mom called me because she was good friends with his, uh, with his wife. And uh, she said, you're not going to believe this, but Jeff is actually going to church and uh, he, gave his life, uh, he gave his life to Jesus. And I'm like, what? I'm like, he gave his life. Because I'm thinking this guy was so far from, uh, so far from, uh, from um, the gospel. He was so far from church. I'm like, how in the world could he do that? And, and, but see, God's, God can change people's hearts. Amen? God can change people's hearts. And so Jeff uh, gave his life to the Lord. And what's crazy is he is now uh, serving in the church. He's... Uh, uh, in ministry, and uh, God is doing some amazing things in his life, right? So people can change. Uh, the other thing is, uh, if you read on, let's, let's read on there. Let me grab something here real quick. Uh, Jesus says that people uh, ha- are casual, casual Christians, casual Christians. Look at uh, further down there. Let's take a look there. This is what it says. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, uh, but endures for a while. And when tribulations or persecutions arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Immediately he falls away. Now, there are some people who don't grow spiritually, Jesus says, because they are casual Christians, or you could say shallow in their faith. Right? They have no commitment to Christ. It's, it's more of a convenience than anything else. If nothing else conflicts, uh, then they'll maybe come to church, they'll maybe participate a little bit, but they're very casual in their faith. Casual Christians, people with shallow faith, oftentimes uh, are, are consumeristic. Right? They, they just come for the show. Uh, what's in it for me? Right? This church, man, they have a great coffee bar, or they, have, they serve donuts, you know, or man, I love the band. They got a rocking band and said they'll come to church. Um, casual people may come to Jesus as a solution to their problems, right? And so, so they, they, they think, man, I've got some things going on, so let me go to church and see if Jesus can fix my relational problems or my physical problems or my emotional or financial problems. And the problem is, is when Jesus doesn't fix their difficulties the way that they had hoped, then their unrealized expectations keep them from growing. So casual Christianity is more about comfort. In other words, they have no intent of denying themselves and following Jesus. And see, the problem with that is, is we cannot follow Jesus if we are asking Jesus to follow us, right? It doesn't work that way. And unfortunately, we live in a culture that promotes self and the biblical principle of self-denial, which is what Jesus calls us to, just doesn't appeal to people who are casual Christians, right? And so the idea that we forfeit our rights, right? I mean, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to forfeit my rights when, when we come to, to Jesus, right? That's the, the, the life is all about him. And it's not about me, right? We live in a culture where it's all about me, right? We play into that. 
And so that doesn't set well with people who are just kind of casually coming to church or casual Christians. So when times get hard or difficulty arises, they encounter their first taste of the cost of discipleship. They have no roots, Jesus says. Right? And they don't grow, and so they check out. And you see this all the time. But the good news is, the good news is Jesus loves casual Christians, but Jesus also will challenge them. Amen? Jesus isn't going to coddle you. He's going to challenge you. And we see this in Scripture. There's a great story. You can write this down in John's Gospel, John chapter 6, uh, where Jesus feeds a huge crowd. I think it's like 5,000 people. And, uh, man, he feeds them. He, he preaches to them. Uh, but then the very next morning, that same crowd follows Jesus across the lake because, hey, man, Jesus fed us dinner last night. I bet he can feed us breakfast again this morning, right? And so they go after Jesus, but Jesus tells them no. And then Jesus starts to go in this long discourse about how I am the bread of life. And he starts talking about some difficult things. And he says, you're only after food that perishes. And so Jesus begins to explain all this. And Jesus says, seek after me. And the scripture says that after they heard this, because they were very casual in their faith, many of them left and walked away. They were casual Christians. But through power, but through prayer, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, casual Christians can change. Right? They can grow deep roots. And that's what our desire here at Chester Christian Church is for every single one of you. And for every single person that walks through that door, our desire is for you to grow deep. And listen, discipleship and growth doesn't happen by accident. Right? It's got to be intentional. It's not like you're just walking along someday and you fall into the hole of discipleship. And hey, there you go. You know, I'm a, I'm a fully functioning follower of Jesus, right? It's a process that is energized by an ongoing intention of the heart. All right, so, so let me just give you a few ways that that can happen here at Chester Christian Church and what I would encourage you to think about and think about kind of where you're at. All right, the first one is, and I say this all the time, is you've got to be in the Word yourself. You've got to be in the Word of God. You can download the, the, the app, version on your phone, and you can be in there every morning, uh, night, lunchtime, whatever's best for you. Uh, some of you like the, the hard copy, you know, get the Bible out, just get a Bible plan. Uh, we can help you with the Bible plan, but I would encourage you to be in the Word. Allow the Word of God to speak to you and change you. And here's the thing. You may be questioning, well, how do I, how do I study the Bible? How do I read the Bible? Well, I'm glad you asked because if you come to our C3 Connect class, which is at my house, uh, you can get uh, information. I can give you all kinds of stuff about how to study the Word of God and how to dig into it and questions that you can ask. And we can help you with that and help you grow in that. Psalm 139 says um, that uh, search me and know my heart. So that's the question. When you come to the Word of God and you open it up, you, that's the question you want to ask. God, search me and know my heart. Right? Reveal to me things that I need to change in my life. Psalm 119, 9-11 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word with my whole heart. I seek you. Let, not, let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And see, here's what I want to encourage you to do, man. You've got to create a rhythm in your life. All right, what works best for you? For some people, it's lunchtime. and a lunch break, they get in the word of God and they read. For some people, it's late at night. For me, it's early morning. If I don't do it in the morning, it doesn't get done. 
Because by the time night rolls around, I'm done. I want to be done, right? I don't want to read anything. And so we got to create that rhythm, right? But also, listen, it's got to become a habit, right? It's got to become a habit, and we need to make it personal. And I just want to encourage you, man, if you are here and you have kids that live in your house, you've got to create that rhythm. You've got to make it personal because if you want it to be in your kids, it's got to be in you first. Can, can I get an amen on that? All right? It's got to be in you first. You, gotta, you can't pass what you don't have, right? So if, you're, if you don't make the word a priority, if you don't make it important, you know, for us, man, we, we, every morning uh, our kids, Jude is in Awana, which is a, a program that the Baptist Church puts on, and uh, every morning we'll go through, and I tell Jude the same thing every single morning. I say, buddy, I said, this is the most important thing that you will do today. I said, mommy and daddy have already been in the word this morning. And you, reading your scriptures, you learning your verses, this is the most important thing that you can do today. you got to tell them. you got to instill that in them. Second thing is, is be in a small group. Be connected in relationship. Be accountable to other believers. And, you know, we have 13 small groups, man. There are plenty of opportunities to get connected. Uh, If you're here and you're not in a small group and you just want to start one, listen, with this new um, resource that we have right now, media, it makes it pretty easy to lead a small group, you know what I mean? Uh, and so I would encourage you, man, just get connected uh, some way with other believers to where you're being held accountable and you're learning to grow. Uh, you know, th- this environment right here is great, but man, when you could take this same passage of Scripture and you can sit down with a group of seven, eight people and you can dig into it deeper and have conversations, and it, it, it's, it's, it's a huge deal. Uh, the third thing is serving. Getting involved in a ministry, knowing what your spiritual gift is. Uh, Jesus said that the greatest among you will be a servant of all. So if you want to grow spiritually, you want to accelerate your spiritual growth, get involved, serve, get connected, be in the Word. Right? That's how you're going to grow deep roots. Jesus goes on to say, and he says, some people don't respond because they have a preoccupied heart. Now listen, this is huge because I think... I think the casual Christian thing, and I think this soil right here is the two soils that probably describe a lot of people in the American church today, right? And this is hard, man. This is hard. Look, look at verse 22, what Jesus says. He says, it's for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Luke in his gospel, describes it this way in chapter 8, verse 14. He says, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. It doesn't grow. And the sad thing is that so many people start out with good intentions. And this is what's so dangerous, man. It's because because. It looks good, right? The fruit it, like, it even sprouts up, right? The soil seems to be good. New life is popping up and taking root until, until thorns come up and choke it out. I love what John Calvin writes. John Calvin says that the human heart is a thick forest of thorns. And that's so true. You guys, uh, you may be familiar with it. It's a popular song, I think, back in my day. So back in the late 80s, early 90s, we had this song, and it was called Mo Money, Mo Problems. Anybody know that song? Anybody want to bust it out and sing it, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Y'all didn't know I could beatbox, did you? 
I can do it. Listen, that's a great song. That's a great song. And, and hear me, man. Listen, I want, you to, I want you to hear me very closely on this, okay? Because listen, having money and having success is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. As a matter of fact, it can be a very, very good thing, especially if you are rooted in the gospel because you can leverage your resources to the good and to the glory of God. The problem is that many people aren't rooted in the gospel, right? They're not growing in their faith. They're not growing uh, in their love and affection for Jesus um, because their efforts are spent on chasing the American dream, right, of success. And so that success chokes out the gospel, right? Mo money, mo problems. It doesn't come without baggage, right? More money means more responsibility. It means more time. It means more energy. It means more worry, right? And that's what Jesus is like. You worry, we worry ourselves to death, right? We, we, we have so much stuff. We've got to worry about this. And we've got to worry about that. And we've got to worry about this. We, you know, it's just, we constantly are worrying. We're in a state of worry. We worry about things that are like way down the road. And what does Jesus say? He says, why do you worry about tomorrow? Right? This is what he's saying. He's saying these are the things that choke out the gospel. Our own success becomes an idol. And the Bible describes an idol that anything that we put before God, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Right? We want more, so we chase after more. We've got to have the, the newest and the latest and greatest things, right? Don't you love the commercials where the, the, the people are getting the new gadgets and then something new comes out and they've got to have that, you know, so they just keep going and it just feeds that. And so what we do is we go into debt. We get that nice, you know, big flat screen TV that curves in, you know. <laughs> you know and we, we, we just go in and we, we become, what happens is we become a slave to our stuff. And, and here's the thing, man, we live in a culture in a day and age where we can pretty much do and have opportunity at our fingers. I mean, we can just we eat what we want, we can do what we want, like there's no, there's no boundaries, right? And one of those, man, listen, I, I love sports. You're not going to find a, a bigger sports fan than, than me right here on this stage. I, I'm telling you, I love sports. Like you go home right now and turn on our TV, it's on ESPN, I guarantee you. But man, sports used to have seasons, right? Now, with travel teams, kids can play same, the same sport all year round. And so what's happened, man, is, is, is as parents, we feel like we've got to get our kids and everything because they've got to have opportunities that we didn't have. And so we put them in travel teams, and we put them in AAU teams, and we do this, and we do that. And what ends up happening is that, combined with our success and our desire for more, is we're traveling to these ball games on the weekends, or we're traveling out of town, right, to get rest and relaxation, whatever it is from our busy life, and we're constantly absent from the body of Christ. We're not connected. And so then when we do come back to church, we, we feel disconnected, right? And so that's what Jesus is saying. These, these weeds, they choke out the gospel. I love what somebody said. They said the greatest threat to the gospel is pure exhaustion. Man, just busy in yourself. Busy in yourself. I'm too tired. I'm too tired to go to church. I'm too tired. I got too many other activities to get involved in small group. I don't have time to serve. 
And here's what I would just challenge you with today. We've got to find some balance here. If your life is so busy that it is crowding out time in the Word with God, or if it's crowding out your family devotional time, you can't even sit down to have a meal together. If you're so busy that you can't plant seeds of the gospel in your own children, so that those seeds grow in their faith, slow down. I know that it goes against what our culture says, but, but I'm telling you, it's okay to tell your kids no. It's okay. They don't have to do everything. It's not going to ruin them. They're not going to become adults and say, man, my mom and dad just didn't let me. Do. Yeah, it's, just, it's not, it's not, it's not going to ruin them. Say no. It's okay to say no. Parents, I want to encourage you to imagine the end. Imagine the end. If you're a parent in here today, imagine the end. What do you want your kid's life to look like 10, 15 years, 20 years down the road? When they graduate high school, what do you want your kid's life to look like? Do you want them to be successful on the ball field? Do you want their room to be filled with participation trophies for the next five, six years? Or do you want them to know the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you want them to be faithful followers of Jesus who are making an eternal impact for Jesus? Because if that's what you want, if that's your desire, but you're living a totally different way, guess what the result's going to be? It's not going to be that. So I just want to encourage you to imagine, imagine and Listen, I, I have a state championship ring from high school. All right, we beat Thomas Dale, by the way. I always got to throw that in there. Love that ring, man. It was some serious bling. I think I even showed you guys several years ago. I think I brought it in and used it for a sermon illustration. I love that ring. I think I wore it for a, with pride for about two months. And do you want to know where that ring is today? I have no idea. I have no idea. I couldn't tell you where that ring is at because, listen, it has no eternal significance whatsoever. You know, I mean, I go back home, nobody, like, I go back home, nobody's like, oh, there's, you know, you guys won a state championship. Nobody, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like, they're not saying, man, you, you played on that state championship team, didn't you? I'm like, no, nobody does. I don't get it right. It's nothing like that. Nobody, nobody cares. Jesus said it like this. He said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and then forfeit their soul? All right? And the good news is Jesus loves preoccupied people, right? Jesus desires for us to get our priorities straight. See, Jesus can't be just moderately important to us. He can't be second. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We need to keep the main thing, the main thing. And what's the main thing? The main thing is Jesus, right? Finally, Jesus said, it is for what, uh, reading on in the parable, he says, for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, and another sixty, and another thirty. See, this is the soil that has been tilled up, and it's receptive to the gospel. It's the soil that, that hears the word of God, and, 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 and they're obedient, and they follow Jesus with their life. Yeah, I love the fact that over the last couple of years, we've had over 60 people give their life to Jesus. And, and my prayer for them is that they would have hearts that are receptive to the gospel, that they would grow. 
This past Friday night, we had the opportunity to baptize Mary Spitzer's son-in-law, Dustin. We got that picture right here. That's, uh, that's them. That's Dustin over there on the right. Well, you're left. And uh, so we baptized him uh, into Christ, and it was just an amazing, amazing thing. And my prayer for Dustin is, is that he would have a heart that is receptive to the gospel and he would grow. That's my prayer for you guys, that you would have a heart for the gospel, that you'd be receptive to that and that you would grow. You know, I'm thankful for so many people here at Chester Christian Church whose hearts are receptive to the gospel, who are being discipled, who are equipped, who are using their gifts, their talents, and their resources to make much of Jesus. Man, I'm, I'm thankful for strong leaders like Noah Jesse and Arthur Smith whose hearts are receptive to the gospel and who are growing in their faith and people I look up to and uh, who mentor me. And listen, these guys, your elders, man, Noah and Arthur, they are very successful in the business world, and yet they leverage those resources to make much of Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of them, and, and I am just so glad, thankful that, that I have them in my life. I'm, I'm thankful that they're receptive to the gospel and that they have a desire to continue to grow and help lead this church to make much of Jesus, I'm thankful for, for men and women like George Velosh and Eddie Smith and Melody Smith who were receptive to the gospel years ago and they allowed the gospel to impact them and change their life and they made an eternal impact on my life. I'm thankful for my mom who is here today who was receptive to the gospel, who allowed the gospel to take root in her heart and she grew and she grew and she drugged she drugged me and my brother to church, right, every single week. Did you not? And were there not times we want to stay home? He's like, you ain't staying home. Get up. You know, you're going, you're going to church. And I'm thankful for that, man. I'm thankful for that. Single mom, single income, raised us. And I'm thankful for her receptivity. I'm thankful for my wife. Man, that, that woman is strong in the faith. She, uh, she is just awesome. I, I could stand up here and talk about her all day long. She is just so, she, I, she, she's just good, man. I don't know what to say. I mean, she's, just, she's, she's receptive to the gospel. She's, she's changing. It's good stuff. And that's our desire for you here at Chester Christian Church. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what soil, what your heart is like. You know, some of you may be here, there may be some people here who have hard hearts. You're just here because you're appeasing somebody or you're just, you know, I don't know what your, your deal is. But I want you to know that, that, that God loves you and, and your heart can change. There may be some of you here that are just, you're kind of casual in your faith. You, you want Jesus to follow you. And I just want you to know, man, that, that you can change it. That with the power of the Holy Spirit and prayer, you can change and God wants to change you. And there may be some here that preoccupied heart. Man, just you, you, you look at your life and it's just crazy busy. You're like, man, I need some bounty to slow down. And I just want to encourage you today, man, just to take an examination of your own heart and where you're at. You know, there's a great, great line, one of my favorite movies, um, Rocky IV. Anybody know Rocky IV? Right, where he fights the Russian? At the end of that movie, I love where he gives that speech, man. He's get that speech, and they're in Moscow, and they're in Russia. And uh, he grabs that microphone, and he's like, you know, I came in here tonight, and I saw a lot of change. He said, I walked into this building, and people were screaming and shouting and saying, hating and this and that. He said, but I saw people change. 
And he goes on to say, people can change. People can change. See, that's the power of the gospel. The gospel has the power to save. It has the power to change. The word of God is, is powerful. So let's pray together and let's, let's respond. Father God, we